Recording I like in progress. It, I like it gives me the option to leave the meeting. <laughs> you're being uh you're you're being told that you're being recorded. Mm-hmm. It's a federal it's a felony. It's a felony in some states, but not in others to record someone without their knowledge. But Zoom is not playing around. Well you can't. Yeah, like. <laughs> it is in the state of Pennsylvania, fun fact, I'll just start this off with a fact. It is a felony to record someone without their knowledge and distribute the recording. Ooh. It is a felony, not admissible in court. Ooh. Not the case in some other states. All I can speak for is Pennsylvania. I have no clue what it is in Indiana, but nobody in Indiana cares. Yeah. I mean, they, they probably care about being recorded. They just don't care to know the law on it. That's the yeah, well, we've we've we have found very strange similarities between the state of Pennsylvania and my little hometown, and also Indiana. What Evansville? We were talking about yep. Evansville and Altoona being very similar. How does that? What didn't we see a picture of the city? And I'm just like, how did you get a picture of Evansville? There was that, and then it was inside of one of the dive bars I was in. You were like, that looks like a dive bar in Evansville. <laughs> they were like, what were you? When were you in Evansville? <laughs> But anyway, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. We're doing a Christmas episode, which is really surprising because I'm a giant Grinch. And no, I like Christmas. I like Christmas. Oh, you do like Christmas. He already had the tree in the last episode where we were talking about Vogger. Now I have my tree up. Ooh. Yeah. A blurry tree. Mine is in high definition, depending on what my computer decides to show. (laughs) Okay, why do you like Christmas? Uh, because I'm a child, deep down. We, we all know this. <gasps> like I, um, My inner child has only made it to about 12 years old, you know, while the rest of me is 35. And so, yeah, no, Christmas. I like the lights. I like the, you know, the presents, the giving, the getting presents, all of it, you know. Um, you know, going around looking at all the there's there's less houses putting up lights. I'm noticing. I think uh, I think people are more people are starting to do it at um, Halloween now. Ah. So I'm seeing more and more of that being a thing. You know, and maybe it depends on what neighborhood you're in because some neighborhoods people are more cheerful. Um, there's some mm-hmm. pockets of neighborhoods people are not putting up Christmas lights where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I kind of just get into it and. I like the snow, and so as a fat guy, I'm always warm, so, like, the snow doesn't bother me, so, you know. I I did not have, I was, you know, I was protesting Christmas for a couple years. Mm-hmm. You know I hated it. And then I started jujitsu lessons, and the first private lesson I had with my coach, I got back into Christmas music because he played the uh, Karen Carpenter version of um, There's No Place Like Home for the Holidays. I so, was gonna say, did you did you have to sing the song? Knock the heck right out of me now! La, 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 la. No, I'm learning these scissor sweeps, right? So, uh, so we scissor sweeps will <laughs> knock you off your feet. <laughs> no, imagine Karen Carpenter's sweet, beautiful, wonderful voice from the, the Christmas Portrait album. Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. He's like, grab my gi, pull me down, pull me over. You're not going to hurt me. <laughs> I met a man who lives in Tennessee. Pull me down harder. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> the funniest the thing. 
that's where I'm home for the holiday. <laughs> that I think it, it was there was another Karen Carpenter song. It was uh, um, ah, what was the other Christmas song? The one that uses the the chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost mm. nipping at your nose. That one. It was in the background, and I'm doing all these jujitsu moves, and it felt like such a contrast so now every time i hear christmas music i think of my reignited love for it by doing a japanese martial art so yeah you know it's, it's what they say <laughs> somebody does make everything better <laughs> well actually that would be muay thai or that would be uh mma Ooh. but jujitsu which translates from the gentle art it actually um your your goal is to not harm your opponent I was going to say, I was going to crack up if you're about ready to say, well, the trick is it's not all that gentle. It can't, it, it is not gentle. Fun fact. I went to power bar classes where we did like these plies and stuff, you know, like uh, literally like this, like, like that from the bar like this. We're doing that. We're doing that bit, right? Oh, I was yeah. more sore from that than I was getting thrown from from my knees getting pulled and then just getting thrown on my shoulder thrown thrown i'm like man that's gonna hurt tomorrow that's gonna hurt tomorrow no that wasn't it it's doing all these plies with these ballerinas lesson learned don't mess with ballerinas circles around you literal circles whatever those are <laughs> i don't know enough yet all i know is i was more sore from that than i was jujitsu <laughs> Yeah, welcome to This Doesn't Make Sense Land. <laughs> All right, so uh, what is your favorite Christmas song and why? Mm, you know, man, I still like Jingle Bells quite a bit. Yeah, why maybe Jingle Bells? Maybe it's because I've heard it like 50 times already because like every one of my piano students loves to play Jingle Bells. Aww. Um, so maybe it gets really stuck in my head. Um, obviously, um, I'm also a little basic because I like them when they're in the minor key, you know, so like, you know, what child is this? Like anyone, you know, like, <laughs> oh my uh, God, I didn't know you're a basic bitch. Do you have pumpkin spice lattes in autumn? Yeah, of course. <laughs> like the perfect time to have and then when you get to you know and when you get to winter it switches over to peppermint you know that's just peppermint that's what you do i almost said peppermint spice latte that's uh how unbasic i am um i'm not gonna lie they all kind of sometimes run together after a while i mean i don't know how many you're playing this year uh, you know at the churches you're working at but um, i got two christmas eves how many do you have um i got two on christmas eve i'm also doing the day right after christmas and ah same yeah, they all want different songs, and they all kind of blur together just a little bit, you know. Just enough that I'm like, Silent Night, Jingle Bell. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, like, um, anything like that. Um, but the songs are fun, and it's it, it has been a big help that this year I didn't start hearing them, like, November 1st, and then have to be tired oh, yeah. of them by the time december hits you uh, know and yeah think of your local musicians when christmas is rolling around because there is <laughs> the only person that might be busier than santa is your local church organist <laughs> um but yeah there, there are a lot of fun songs to play and you know it's just it's all usually in good spirit so you know 
Most well, it's in Christmas spirits. Oh, man. We can get in trouble for that now, can't we? I don't know. Not I don't think that's that. what we care about that's anymore. Never, never, that's never been a thing, I felt. Like, not, not the way it was always presented. I think it's... Know? I think it's... With... <laughs> I don't... I... Oh. Whew. I think we've got bigger... <laughs> I think we have other things that have become far more controversial, and I'm trying to just let's not let's oh, not go. I was just saying. I was just saying. I don't think I could ever think of a moment in my life where saying either "Merry Christmas" or "Happy Holidays" has made somebody upset for some reason. I have offended people by not saying "Merry Christmas." Mm. It's not holidays. <laughs> the first night of Hanukkah, I wish somebody a happy Hanukkah, and they were tickled. Well, there you go. Fun fact, Good Hebrew enough. is one of the priority languages of the U.S. government. So I'm going to pick that up, dust that back off. I will tell you a fun Christmas find I did made this year that I didn't know yeah? existed. Yeah? I think I was telling you about it before. Okay. Was that Franz Liszt had his Christmas tree suite. Um, or what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher the German here, so you may have to help me. Okay. Weihnachtsbaum. Um, Weihnachtsbaum. Weihnachtsbaum. Yeah. Weihnachtsbaum. Mm -hmm. Weihnachtsbaum. Yeah. Um, so it's Weihnachtsbaum lead lead. Uh, no, it's just Weihnachtsbaum. Oh, wow! He just yeah. went straight to the point. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's was, sorry. Um, it's a it's a late uh, Franz Liszt piece, so you know he was older when he wrote it. It was like between like eighteen seventy three, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um. And it's just a set of 12 pieces. Most are based off uh, Christmas carols. Oh, we got festive. Like, yeah, like now the last three in the set have nothing to do with Christmas, like particularly. But like, yeah, nine out of 12 of them, you know. Are... Well, he had to appeal to the masses. Every superstar has to have a Christmas album, even Barry Manilow. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I had some uh, people, they were like, why is it weird that Barry Manilow did a Christmas album i'm like he's jewish <laughs> but god barry manilow is so good though looks like we've made it like come on those are such good ballads oh no it's <laughs> no everybody has a christmas album though you're right like mm -hmm. everybody everybody does oh or at least a christmas song oh, what about? but yeah uh, no, like... anyway yeah this piece it's weird because it's like a it gets compared a little bit to uh, Schumann's uh, Kinderzanen, a little bit of uh, WC's Children's Corner, and it's not like, mm. I mean, it's list, so parts of it are still tough. But it's Is it still like heavy metal for piano, like, <laughs> you know, not entirely. He does a lot no? with just like open, empty spaces with single notes playing. But yeah. there are some parts that I'm like, oh, I, I'm, I'm going to have to practice this. So I can't do it this year, but I'm hoping for next year to play and record the whole thing because i think that'd be kind of fun oh that would be fun maybe you can play a little bit for us on high resolution live <laughs> oh that'd be fun that'd be fun i'm trying to think of any funny christmas stories on my end um let me think i haven't had any like wow i was gonna say last christmas sucked for me <laughs> but i'm gonna leave out why exactly but covid did not help but um, the large contributing factor to why my last Christmas sucked, we're just going to, you know, but we're going to let that one go. <laughs> Politics yeah, COVID. and COVID yeah. just completely, that was the Grinch that stole Christmas. 
yeah, COVID, yeah, kept things, you know, kind of, yep, you know, just on, on the down low for most of that stuff. Yeah. Like it wasn't wasn't too smart to be getting out and celebrating, and yeah. No, I, oh, that... I mean, I, I, feel like, I still feel like in some way I just skipped 2020 and went straight to 2021. Well, and then also people were freaking out because 2022 sounds like 2022. 2020, T-O-O. <laughs> I had someone send me that meme, and I'm like, ah, no, that's not. <laughs> um, like we're two years later, and we're still not over it. I got it. I not should over be... 2020. Yeah, no. I think one of my favorite Christmases was it was Christmas Eve and we got a huge snowstorm here. It was like 2002, 2003. Mm. That was one of my best Christmas memories. I was like 11 or 12 years old. And that was like, <laughs> as a child, one of my last magical Christmases, you know? Mm. I kind of remember just like certain things we did growing up. The, the big thing that like my family liked to do for a while was um, go pick out Hallmark ornaments every year. Aww. You know, um, and so I had a bunch of those, you know, of course, and like, as time goes on, they get more and more expensive, you know, for, you know, and some yeah. do really cool things. Like I have a little Darth Vader that talks. I used to have a good Lion King one and Aww. a random one that was too heavy for a tree, but it had a Corvette that spun around. Really cool. <laughs> Did it just like take the tree down? I mean, it was just like, it was too heavy to really go on any branch without just like falling. So you kind of sat <laughs> it among the branches, you know, um, there was one Christmas uh, if, uh, that um, we had an old fat terrier beagle mixed dog named Tippy. And um, there was a Christmas, it, there was an album that we got by Jars of Clay. When Jars mm -hmm. of Clay kind of didn't really have it in them anymore to be putting out new albums. And my dad had some red, <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Like Jars of yeah, Clay, yeah. They, in the mid 90s, they... Yeah, they were the thing. They were like the one of the it bands for a while from the nineties, and then and you they know, and they crossed over. Christian, oh, they they did cross over. I like successfully. Ooh, <laughs> it was so they. But so my family had high expectations for this album they finally put out. I think it was called Sunny Days. Sunny days taking the clouds away, <laughs> and. My family was so excited about it. We, we put the Jars of Clay album on. And my dad, he's enjoying with some red wine, some crackers mm -hmm. and cheese. And I remember, I don't, I don't really see my parents drink that often. They don't drink much. And my dad had this red wine. He's laying there and the red wine's kicking in. He's like, just like falling asleep on the couch Christmas Eve. <laughs> so we all go up to bed. We wake up the next morning and the dog had gotten her head stuck in a box of the crackers so the dog's walking around with a box of crackers stuck on her head <laughs> tippy that was her i think that was her last christmas so she went out with a bang <laughs> it was the cracker box that killed the beast no. <laughs> no wouldn't that be a sad way to go be taken out by a cracker box mm -hmm. oh god just... <laughs> god we just went zero to dark in three seconds See, now, though, that was even making me think of, like, now all the Christian bands that I used to listen to when I was growing up. You know, like, you probably had to listen to a lot of them, too. Toby Mac, um, DC Talk. Yeah, like, see, I, I remember Toby Mac when he was just part of DC Talk, you know, and then they broke up, <laughs> you know, after they were huge also in the 90s. You yep. know, um, The Newsboys, you know. Oh, and which who I think. Yeah, I think it's funny because the Newsboys and DC Talk were my favorite 
Michael Dexter, W. Smith was was good. He was good. He was real good too. I think the funny thing is, it's like the original lead singer of the Newsboys stopped just to write songs, and then like yeah. some of the members of DC Talk joined the Newsboys. So now when they tour, oh, they just all their songs or something. Did they fish them? They fished the members. Yeah. Oh. Uh, they fish. They fished. I think they fished two out of three members of DC Talk, or at least one of them. Mm. You know, just, not Toby Mac because he's been doing his own thing forever, and yeah. Like, I'll see his name pop up every once in a while. And um, I think Michael W. Smith had a Christmas album, too. Well, uh, Michael, yeah, his Christmas album was really good. Um, he did a really nice job with using a children's choir. And I think he also had a live orchestra, if I'm not mistaken. Let's, I need, let me, we need, we need to hire a tech guy. Do we got any takers who want to be a guru and like look stuff up for us while we podcast? Michael W. Smith Christmas. We can Google. We can Google with the best of them. Did you find it? Uh, the I found Michael W. Smith and Friends, The Spirit of Christmas. Also, It's a Wonderful Christmas by Michael W. Smith and Christmas Time. Was it 1989? Three Christmas albums. It was, it was called Christmas. I think that was the one. But the thing is, he, he yeah, did. I, we had four. I remember as a child, I didn't understand timbre yet, but they, they did kind of this overture that went into O Come All Ye Faithful, and then it was sounding all majestic, then his voice uh. came in, this like very sweet sounding, like the Witcher theme song tenor, and it was like, uh. the timbre of this does not match all of the richness in the orchestra, you know what I mean? Like, you really need a mm. voice, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, you can't, sometimes you just can't mix that that kind of voice with an orchestra you need it you need a little bit of gravitas yeah it had to have it needed a little bit more to it like a really strong voice needs to come in with something like that it's all this build up and then it's ah it's like little guy voice i'm like ooh, (laughs) nothing against you tenors but sorry you need your tenors to not sound like they're fourth graders sometimes you need your tenors to have overtones (laughs) (laughs) um but still that that was a really lovely christmas uh christmas album that i enjoyed um trying to think of any other christmas memories that all my christmases were always rather nice um growing up let's see we used to we used to watch uh, it's a wonderful life a lot i have not seen it's a wonderful life once (sighs) go watch it right now (laughs) you know what i did watch uh every year christmas vacation every (laughs) year it is the family tradition i've only seen that one i think once or twice Uh, what are you doing i I, well i mean it's also bad enough because i only just saw elf like last year oh that one's funny too but i've only seen that once or twice (laughs) uh christmas vacation is the family tradition and you guys missed it while we were doing some tech setup uh Jeff was fixing the splitter and I said, Merry Christmas. The splitter is full. <laughs> he didn't get it. The rest of you that like Christmas vacation, you got it. And now you're just like, Oh, it makes sense why he didn't get it. He didn't see it. <gasps> you know, you, I'm can't, very... you, you can't, you can't Christmas shame me over that. I just did. What are you going to do? <sighs> what are you going to do? I know jujitsu. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Learn the non-gentle art. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to be a ballerina. <laughs> I'm not messing with ballerinas, man. After that bar class, no way. And then I'm going to dance circles around your jujitsu. 
That's right. Will of the Warrior right there. Will of the Warrior. <laughs> Which... <laughs> I'm... Ne- after that, not messing with a ballerina. Ever. <laughs> That's great. I've had, I've had plenty of training. That's right. I've watched all three John Wick films. There is jujitsu in that, isn't there? Probably. I'm going to have to watch like it. There is. I feel like there is. I was traumatized. I was watching it while I was sitting in a bar having a beer, trying to not think about my life, which was something I was mm-hmm. doing for a while, which was totally legitimate. Um, but I was watching John Wick. It came on. And after the puppy, I just could not handle it with the puppy. I could empathize. Ooh. I would go on a killing just, spree over my pet. I just looked up what movies have jujitsu in them. Yeah. Ooh, Warrior. If you haven't seen that one, that's actually a really good one. It's it's kind of more MMA. Okay. But, uh, let's see. John Wick. Tokyo Zombie. Tokyo Zombie. I bet that zombies in Tokyo. Defense. Okay. Something called Never Back Down. And that sounds. It sounds like one of those drumline movies for some reason, you know. I Never back. That, like, oh yeah, where they're doing like the di- the cheer, like those cheer ones. Yeah, or, or like what is it? Step up. You know? <laughs> it sounds like that. It sounds like that. Yeah. <laughs> Never back down. Um, um. Oh, we just and obviously John Wick. Yeah. John Wick. Okay, I gotta watch John Wick again. I gotta get. I gotta fast forward over the puppy part though. I can't do the puppy part. I mean, I mean, they were smart enough to let that just be the motivation for three movies. Like, it happens once, and you're just good for the rest of the sequels. You're uh, like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> you know? We don't hurt puppies! <laughs> oh, um, but, Have yeah. Have watched I'm... the real Christmas classic, Die Hard? I fell asleep during Die Hard. <laughs> what about The Nightmare Before Christmas? What's this? What's this? I low-key hate that movie. Um, and purely for personal reasons. Purely for personal reasons. I've actually only seen it once. And that was in the theater when it originally came out. And I'm are, just not bothered to rewatch it. Are we just, like, trying to get people to hate us in this podcast? I, I mean, <laughs> I, I say this and I'm like, oh, wow. wow. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Gosh, I don't... I think I'm supposed to be obsessed with that movie or something, but I'm just... It's not bad. I just literally only saw it once. Ah. Let's see. Is this going to be your first Christmas Eve at a church? Uh, yes. (gasps) Welcome! Congrats! Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I I remember when I had to have it explained that that the mass was indeed starting at 11 p.m. Oh, yeah. Midnight mass. Okay. Welcome. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll go. That's fine. I'll, I'll drink some coffee. <laughs> That's or add some Kahlua, add some whiskey to it. You can start to don't don't do that. Or do or don't or do. I mean, here's or the don't. thing. I won't do that. I mean, what? <laughs> um. No. Let's let's see. How many Christmas? Christmas Eve services have I played for? 2009, 2008, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2016, 15, did not play 2016, uh, 2017, did I? Yes, 2018, 2019, 2020. Have I played for 11 Christmas Eve services? 
I don't remember playing it. I've done Christmas Day services. Okay. Like, I've done several of those. Yeah. But not Christmas Eve. I don't remember. But yeah, I probably, maybe I did once, but if it has, it's been, like, over a decade, you know, like, so. Yeah. Well, people that don't do service music in churches, often they, they are very surprised to hear that there is no Christmas music during Advent season. <laughs> right? Like, that was surprising to me. I was like, whoa, we actually don't do Christmas music when I first started. I was like, huh? <laughs> I didn't realize it's all Advent, which Advent hymns are really great. They are. They are. They, know, they have a lot of, there's a lot of good harmonies in there, for sure. You know? I like uh, Awake, Awake for the Night is Flying. I haven't played that one this year. Ah, next year. Probably. Oh, I don't know That's why my, push. I don't care, PayPal. Sorry. <laughs> um, But yeah. I don't care who wants my money. That's <laughs> I can't think of anything like, um, oh, but still one of, what's your favorite Christmas album? My favorite Christmas album. Oh yeah, that's easy. Uh, Vince Guaraldi's, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas one. Oh, uh, that's my dad's yeah. favorite. It's, um, I was just listening to it again, like the other day and just like, crazy how like relaxed and chill it is because he's playing some stuff while just he, being so yeah relaxed <laughs> and i mean like i think a couple years ago i would have been like well that's not fast but i'm just like how is he so chill while playing that you know, like, I know. <laughs> so good um my favorite is a christmas portrait uh by the carpenters greeting cards have all been sent the christmas rushes through like ah karen carpenter's voice for those just perfect perfect trying to remember some other ones but it was one of those things it's just like yeah pick somebody and they probably have a christmas album yeah but but i think it's sell. they all sell like really well i feel like some do better than others as well the Carpenter's Christmas album, I mean, that one, they, and it also depends on how timeless they make them. I think everyone all agrees that All I Want for Christmas Is You is, you is so overplayed that we all hate it now. <laughs> and yet, it still gets played. Because, <gasps> you know what? We can't, because we then can't complain about it being overplayed. Wait, can't we complain about it being overplayed because it's played too much? Yeah. But it still gets played. If they stop playing it, then we, we can't, have nothing to complain um, about. Do you remember the one year she sang and it was obvious she lip synced and then the actual audio leaked out? Yeah, because her. It's like I mean that, that that's that's kind of like you know there, there's a part of me that's like well man she's let her voice go you know pretty bad. There's that one part of me that's like well maybe you know be you know I should think nicer like you know she could have abused no. her voice for. For years and years, you know, I mean, like, you use, I mean, you do see that sometimes, though, with a lot of, like, you know, pop musicians who don't take care of their voices, you know. She's making a lot of money. She's very influential. A lot of people hear a lot of her music. She should be taking better care of her voice. Boom, I said also, it. Does she even, does she even perform all that much to, anymore? Like, and like she I got mean, famous off of her singing voice. It should be better. <laughs> I mean, because there's some artists and I'm like, well, gee, they're singing, like, every other night still and they'll be like way into their 60s and 70s and still have a good voice oh you know? yeah 
Yeah. Like it changes, but they, they take time to relearn it, you know, like and how to use it. I'm also going to bet that her voice settled because remember I talked about that before, the ossification of the mm. cartilage around the larynx for women oh, is a okay. much slower process because the changes in hormones are much more complicated for women than they are for men. Men, yeah. it's like you guys hit 13, boom. Oh, and then for, for women, it just is more of a slow. It's like a either their voice settles and stays in soprano land or it very gently mellows and mulls into a very fine wine. It's more. Oh, yeah. Or it's more like that. So there is a fun little answer about why Mariah Carey lost her voice. Yeah. And I think it's something. Uh, this is what Quora Quora sells. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Quora. Uh, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us how it really uh, is, Jeff. I'm just like, you know, it's like, oh, uh, let's see what they say. Let's see what the internet says on that. Okay. While you do that, I need to get a Her tissue. Her songs are difficulty. Her songs are, oh, okay. Go grab your tissue. Yeah. It's, I just, I'm so emotional about this. No, the weather changed and my sinuses are terrible. Hold on. Tell everybody what, no, I want to hear this too. So wait. Yeah, we will wait because we can edit this part out. I tried to be really quick, but I just couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, I gotta. Well, and I was like, I have to blow my nose. Part out too, you know. So I, I'll probably be too lazy to that because you know it'll be like, it'll take like two minutes for me to do it, but I'll put this off for a week and then Christmas will be over. You know how this works. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm just gonna leave that. (laughs) Okay. It says here. Here are some things that somebody. This is, but this is like the top answer. Thanks. Somebody could have done. Yeah, you know, and they're like, it's, it's, um, the difficulty of her songs is one of them. They're known vocally to be vocally demanding. So two is the lack of rest of her voice in the 90s. The three, her singing style. Yeah. And four is vocal nodules, which this part was fun. Because in an interview in 1998, she said that her range is a result of nodules on her vocal cords and her ability to sing through the nodules. But that they will eventually affect somebody. You need you need that to be more dramatic. As an opera singer, I'm upset. Okay, sorry. Was that dramatic no, enough? Was yeah, that reaction know. dramatic enough? <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of one of those things. It's kind of like, and mind you, as I'm not a vocalist, you know, like my singing experience is minimum, you know. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, okay, so, you know, you, you go get trained how to take care of your voice. Yeah. But sometimes what we like about many of these artists, you know, pop artists and stuff is unique qualities to their voice. Yeah. And sometimes it just seems that those unique qualities are brought on by bad habits. Unfortunately. <laughs> you know? Unfortunate. Um, so I don't know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Because you can see she probably, if she would have been classically trained, would probably have been a coloratura soprano, mm-hmm. which is a la um, the Queen of the Night, 
that that aria, uh, de most likely she if she would have been classically trained that would have been the voice she had so when she goes in her really high register i'm thinking of that song i forget the name of the song i really should know but i can rattle off a bunch of opera arias but i don't remember mariah carey's biggest hits from the 90s go figure right i mean i don't remember Mariah carey's biggest hits from the 90s uh, some days i forget who mariah carey is <laughs> but, you know, that's, I mean, I that's, that's okay <laughs> nothing wrong with that but um, you can when she goes into her like high like whistle register. Um, mm-hmm. Technically, it's not her whistle register; it's just the very upper parts of her head register for a soprano. And she, you can hear that she is scraping. Mm-hmm. She is scraping those chords together, and yeah. at, so what she's doing is she's fattening them up and adding tension. Which is pretty much like razor blading your vocal folds, and you don't feel that. You don't feel it. Yeah. I mean, so, it sounds painful. It sounds, you know, not fun, but. Exactly. Ooh. Oh, man. Here's Bella. We had you Stella before. Here's Bella. Still. I just see your face making a face. Like, you're just like. <laughs> you guys have a dog, don't you? A six dog named Eric. Oh, <gasps> your dog is named Eric? Yep. I never knew your dog was named Eric. He just likes to he likes to chill most days and bark. My cats are always so he barks real loud. He's quiet right now. Oh yeah. Is he sleeping? Probably. Did you have something to do with that? No. <laughs> I'm not that devious. <laughs> That's what they want you to think. Exactly. That's what I want everybody to think. But on the subject of Christmas music, Jeff and I prepared a little Christmas gift for you. Um, and we prepared Carol of the Bells, uh, which is one of my personal Christmas favorites, and also In the Bleak Midwinter. So Jeff found the accompaniment and for both of these, and then I'm going to sing them. But uh, Carol of the Bells is one of my personal favorites, just the accompaniment. Um, this was written in 1916 by Ukrainian composer... Mykola Leontovich, and it was a song that tells the tale. This is according to, shout out to, shout out to whoever arranged this web page. I'm really confused. I want to give credit where credit is due. B.J. Almond, I believe. So um, it was. Written in 1916 by Ukrainian composer Mikola Leontovich, and uh, it's a swallow about uh, the swallows coming in and saying about how all the good things of spring are going to arrive, the long winter is going to fade, all those nice things. But then it was brought to the United States in the early 1920s and given Christmas lyrics. So it was for a Christmas concert. So it was not originally a Christmas song. It was originally a harvest song. I mean, that's, that's kind of funny thing about the original lyrics are basically like, this god awful winter is going to be over soon. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, so feels, that feels like such an Eastern European thing, too. Like, yeah, you know, like this <laughs> damn winter. Like, you know, I, I, I were, you know, in the Midwest, I'm like, well, it doesn't ever get that cold here. I mean, compared to some places I've been, you know. Like, or like Minnesota. 
yeah, Montana. He's positive for the most often. You yeah. Know, I mean, and I, but I've been places where it's been like negative 30 below and things like that. And it's like, come back here and that feels like summer. I've know, seen. Like 10 degree view. Right. When I've seen memes that. Can, can you confirm, Jeff? I've seen memes where they say winter in Indiana, there's nothing to really do except work and drink. Can can you confirm? Uh, if you're a boring person. Why ah! did you bring in the heat? <laughs> um, no, it does sometimes feel that way, you know, but yeah, no. Um... Well, this, this swallow also did say the master of the home was going to get a bunch of wealth. He was going to get healthy mm -hmm. livestock, money, and a beautiful wife. That is some good news from the swallow man. Um, but it used Ukrainian folk melodies. Um, and it was uh, the Ukrainian National Chorus toured this. This is according to BJ Almond. Shout out to BJ Almond. We will put this in the link. Uh, you guys can check. And it was uh, first performed to a sold out audience in Carnegie Hall on October 5th, 1921. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, American choir director and arranger Peter. Peter Pedro, let me try that again. Peter Wilhowski heard Leontovich's choral work. It reminded him of bells. So he wrote new lyrics to convey that, that imagery for his choir. So uh, the new lyrics were copywritten in 1936. And the work was published almost two decades earlier in Soviet Ukraine. So yeah, and then it started being performed after that. And it became his anglicized arrangement uh became popular during the christmas holiday season nice yeah so the you know that's interesting so the other song though you know like that that's a is that a melody from gustav holtz or is that just like the actual song is by him which one uh in the bleak midwinter i'm, I'm switching gears on you that, that was, oh you're good because that, that, that kind of connection you know is just making me like oh well this, this is like a ukrainian just like actual composer you know like yeah very very ukrainian but then it just pretty much was just made a holiday it was just came into mm -hmm. custom as a holiday song but it wasn't originally it was a very nationalist ukrainian song <laughs> um but but it wasn't like super popular it was like mildly popular but that was about it at least according to the history um in the bleak midwinter it was it had a lot of strong religious sentiments from christina rossetti she wrote the words uh but gustav holst i don't think the maybe you can speak more on the music i just know the words were the most important part for christina rossetti and her religious life mm -hmm. was very important to her Gustav, it's a very. If I have a son, I'm going to name him Gustav. <laughs> he was an English composer. So this is a very. Hmm. Hmm. Did a bit of folk song. He was at the Royal College of Music. <laughs> Let's see, all I'm finding on that was just that Gustav Holtz just kind of did an arrangement of it, you know, that was um, basically better for, uh, you know, congregations to sing. 
because like you know the way the the poem works like i'm not actually finding really too much else on that Ew. and it's a staple of uh christmas carol services uh british christmas carol services so it's not as popular in the united states yeah because i actually don't think i knew that one off the top of my head until you like mentioned it yeah you know? Well, one of my first introductions to it was watching The Crown on Netflix. You know how mm. obsessed I am with The Crown. Yeah. There's a very powerful scene. I direct all of you to watch it. Beautiful scene. And uh, um, the king, king uh, the king at the time, um, everyone, they're singing a carol in the scene. And uh, nobody knows that he has cancer, but he knows this is one of his last Christmases. And the one line, um, what can I give him poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. And he's just breaking down and crying. And, you know, mm. the queen, Queen Elizabeth, who, well, she, Princess Elizabeth at the time, she will eventually be Queen Elizabeth, obviously. Spoiler alert! <laughs> she realizes like, oh, something's going on here. What's going on with dad? Uh, so that's just a very powerful scene. Uh, and one that introduced me to the song, actually, so season one of the crown beautifully done uh show obviously they sensationalize it because real life isn't that interesting unless <laughs> you're a super crazy adventurous person <laughs> and apparently there's two tunes there's holst or there's dark d-r-k-e so there's two different versions but the ones the one that we found is the one by holst so and actually it made sense like when when it when it's uh was talking about like it being better for congregational singing yeah kind of just looking at the melody itself just like the the shape of it you know uh the shape of the holes versus the shape of the the dark uh, melody it feels that for let's say you know a church congregation the holes version is going to be easier for them to sing just right. it has that more arched shape a little easier to follow less mm -hmm. jumps you know um than the other one like i could totally kind of see that so oh that is my biggest beef with uh modern modern day worship leaders i'm looking at you david crowder band their worship songs are horrible for congregational singing because they, the melody is all set for tenors horrible it is absolutely horrible it is terrible for congregations to sing and if somebody wants to fight me on that that is fine <laughs> i would I, mean, I will fight you on it <laughs> i mean i will say just from looking more at like arrangements of their you know accompaniments and stuff like that you can always tell when like the person writing the the accompaniment or the whatever like has a gap in their knowledge you know um, understatement but, yeah, one, one song I had to play one weekend was written in 3-4. Um, mm -hmm. It was written in that, it was written in a duple meter, so one, two, three, you know. Well, everything but one measure of the whole song, one measure was in triple meter. Why would you do that? like like i mean you can make an argument that because it had like a you know a little bit of polyrhythm going between the hands but yeah. for the sake of reading it it was like why why is this written in this meter that doesn't make it easier yeah um, no and then there's just like one measure where you have three quarter notes in a row and i'm like oh okay so it's <laughs> the whole measure and i i come across that like 
quite a bit where it's like they'll make very puzzling choices and how they notate it you know not necessarily anything wrong with the music with just mm-hmm. how they notate it on the page or you know it's like they're um you know because it's different when you got a singer singer you know versus a congregation like you need something easier to sing or you know because mm-hmm. they just can't you know leap around as much they don't have the same training Modern worship leaders are not thinking of anyone other than than themselves and their own singing voice when they write these songs. And that makes me very angry. But I'm holding it in. I'm staying very calm about it, but it makes me very angry. Like, if you're going to be writing songs for people to be singing all together in church, why are you writing them with only yourself in mind? It's okay, breathe. Zen. Very zen. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, it's just a little okay. Someone's gonna listen to this and get mad. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's uh, it, it's purely an aesthetic reason uh, that I chose these two songs. Um, what is something that you like about Carol of the Bells and In the Bleak Midwinter? I like mm. both the melody and the lyrics of In the Bleak Midwinter. My own personal attachment to how it was used in the Crown, and um. I love the music of Carol of the Bells, the mute, the lyrics I could give or take, but I love the music. Well, the thing is with Carol of the Bells is like, I don't know any of the words of Carol of the Bells. I've never known any of the words of Carol of the Bells. Like the, the part that sticks in your head is just that. Yep. Um, so, I mean, it does kind of have that, and that just really works its way into your head. And then, yeah. you know, it does have those kind of, like, darker harmonies that kind of work yeah. with it. Um, the other one, In the Bleak Bidwinter, yeah, it's got a, it's got a simple but effective melody. Because the lyrics are the most important part of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Peaky Blinders yeah. fans, it's also in Peaky Blinders. And it's also <laughs> featured in a Doctor Who episode. Ooh. Mm-hmm watch doctor who so no. <laughs> doctor who's not my thing i tried and i'm just like eh, i'm not british enough for this <laughs> i've had many people try to get me into that one and they all show me the same episodes it's, like, <laughs> you know, so. it's like you know like this will get you into it this time i'm like it didn't last time <laughs> um <laughs> i just like it i just like that it's a very kind of like um straightforward tune it just works it's just mm-hmm. very um efficient you know i thought that was gonna get hilarious i thought my cat was gonna knock over my christmas tree <laughs> i was hoping you also saw that <laughs> i thought we were gonna have a christmas vacation moment here <laughs> i was like oh <laughs> oh dad and mom <laughs> Well, without further ado, before my cats destroy my Christmas tree, apparently, um, because this is just too much excitement for them, I guess we figured out a way we had to play around with it um, because the real time did not line up in the same time because there's a slight lag with the Internet. So he was trying to follow my lead. I was trying to follow his lead. And then we ended up just. <laughs> it was hilarious. We're just. <laughs> <laughs> it was like hilarious. One way, and then I think by the end of it, we're just like. 
Um... <laughs> uh, don't worry, folks. I'll share the outtake. It is so funny. You could just hear kind of. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> so we tried that. We figured out a way. So Jeff recorded this separately before. And I'm going to sing along with it in real time. Um, shout out to uh, this arrangement by William N. Simon. And the words again by Peter J. Wilhowski and the music by Leontovich. So we're going to take a listen and I'm going to share Jeff's wonderful playing. So let me get that open here. And it's going to be a videoception. So folks, this is going to be funny. So I have to sit and watch myself. It's <laughs> be difficult. <laughs> and guys, don't mind the cat that's running around apparently. Uh, my cat has the zoomies right now. Ta-da! Then there's previous version of me. Oh, I'm not sharing the sound. I got to stop this. If I don't share the sound, it's pointless. <laughs> okay. All right. Sound will be shared. Here's the moment of truth. If I make a mistake, well, that's show business, baby. And hopefully my cat does not knock over my Christmas tree. That'd be kind of hilarious. <laughs> So, folks, enjoy Jeff's wonderful playing. Two of me in one uh, video. So, Two of me, woman. <laughs> <laughs> so, ready? Let's do it. All right. Mark how the bells, sweet silver bells, all seem to say, throw cares away. Christmas is here, bringing a cheer to young and old, weak and the bold. Ding dong, ding dong, that is their song. With joyful ring, all caroling, one seems to hear words of good cheer from everywhere, filling the air. Oh, how happy they're, they're toads, gaily they ring while people sing. Cheer, Christmas is cheer. Merry, 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 merry Christmas. Merry, 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 merry Christmas. On how they send, on without end, their joyful tone to every home. On without end, their joyful tone to every home. Ding dong, ding dong. Aha! Singing with an old version of you. Fun! <laughs> Last note lined up. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Yay. I think Yay. Well, the moment of truth will be after we're done. And this is going to be the last part because my brain's going to be fried. Well, my brain's not going to be fried after this. I think we're going to try to protect my. already fried. We're, we're already fried. Yeah. It's it's good Sunday save. Good we're save. Really <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was fun. What do you think of your own technique, Jeff? Do you have any critiques for yourself? Hmm. Yes. But I'm going to keep them to myself. I think I had I bad posture. Myself later. I think but, I had well, boss posture as I was singing. Oh, well. I always feel like I have bad posture when I'm playing. I'm, I'm always telling my students, sit up straight, and then I feel like I'm hunched over. You know, and... <laughs> we all... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know who had the worst posture? Who was that? That was... Uh, who was the one that played Bach? Oh, Glenn Gould. With the, yeah! Glenn Gould had the worst <laughs> posture, and he had his own chair. Like, why? He sat really low. Um, I know that has something to do with, like, I think I remember, like, he just kind of, like, took 
something that his teacher was taught him and took it to a very extreme <sighs> thing. He did that in general. Like, I mean, the thing is, you can go find other recordings of his earlier ones, and they're very, like, conventional. Like, his yeah. mom's recordings are kind of ridiculous. Not the concerto, but just, like, solo pieces are very conventional. Right. Thing, and it's kind of weird. So I think part of it maybe would have been on purpose. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, you know. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, Glenn Gold. We always have the running joke about the chair and the Glenn Gold. So he, uh, yeah, <laughs> but his posture was on purpose. It was on purpose, right? I mean, he just. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't think the posture was. He wanted to sit lower. I know that. Yeah. I know if you sit lower at the piano, like it is easier to get your fingers moving around. There's actually a nice. Um, I can't remember. There was an article about it that actually was talking about how music history may have changed due to something as simple as bench height. Oh! Because cause what we find when we get to around the time of Ravel and Impressionism was the pianist started sitting lower on the benches and they started writing music that was reflecting that so we get much more like finger work at the time. But if you're sitting higher, guess what's usually a little easier? Octaves. Uh. <gasps> Yep. And guess what we're hearing a lot in, you know, like romanticism. Like we get tons of octave passages, you know. Mm. So I mean like there's there's an argument, I don't know how true it is, but there's a good argument that just something like bench height can completely change the way like you play and like what's easier for you to physically do. Right. Gotcha. Fun facts, people. Now you'll never look at a piano bench the same way again. <laughs> so all right. And now we have In the Bleak Midwinter. There's four verses to it. Um, well, there's up to five. Up to five verses. But uh, we chose verse number one and verse number six. Let me get that recording up here. Oh. Whoa. Whoa there. Whoa. <laughs> and I'll remember to share the sound. Aha. Nobody has it set for me. Look, it's us again. There, I think my person. live and in person. I think my hair looks better in that. My hair looks fantastic. I don't know what my to do beard. with it. <laughs> How's my beard? Oh, it's coming in great. <laughs> Thanks. I've been working on it for my whole life. Anyway, so here's in the bleak midwinter, good folks. All right. Without that whole posture thing now, I got to be able to. All right, so let's give it a go here.
nobody important was killed. <laughs> Fun times with technology. But yes, Jeff and I did not do this in person together because he lives in the state of Indiana and I live in the state of Pennsylvania. So getting together in person. Yeah, we technology helped. <laughs> technology helped. Technology also got in the way, but it also helped. <laughs> yep. So that is our little Christmas gift to you all. So wonderful playing, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful singing. Thank you. And I'm so glad my tree did not get knocked over. I'm a little disappointed by that. <laughs> I needed the laugh. I I got... Mean, no. It got close. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, hopefully all of you, you can find your own versions of this Christmas carol. Um, you can tell us what some of your favorites are. Tell us how we did. Uh, you can also critique us. Go easy on us. Actually, you don't have to go that easy on us. I'll just ignore the comments anyway. So. Don't read the comments, <laughs> as they say. So, all right. Well, Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for listening, and see you next time on High Resolution Life.